0: Hey, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff.
1: And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about why peanut butter gets gum out of hair, why world-renowned climate scientist Katherine Hayhoe is so passionate about climate justice, and how gaslighting makes you question your sanity, along with some tips on how to protect yourself.
0: Let's satisfy some curiosity.
1: Getting gum stuck in your hair can feel like a disaster. I mean, no amount of soap or shampoo will get it out. But there is a weird fix for this situation. Peanut butter. It'll dissolve a wad of gum in a matter of minutes. But why does peanut butter work while soap and water are useless? Well, both gum and peanut butter are hydrophobic, which literally means afraid of water. Because they're both hydrophobic, peanut butter can dissolve gum and vice versa. Hydrophobic molecules are also called nonpolar. That is, they contain atoms with similar charges, so they aren't drawn toward any particular direction. But H2O is a polar molecule because hydrogen has a slightly positive charge and oxygen has a slightly negative charge. This is a great example of a basic rule of chemistry you may have heard before, known as like dissolves like. Put simply, this rule means that almost always Polar solutes can dissolve in polar solvents, and nonpolar solutes can dissolve in nonpolar solvents. When nonpolar or hydrophobic molecules are exposed to water, they stick together and form a membrane that prevents water from dissolving them. That's why gum doesn't dissolve in your saliva and why water is completely useless for getting gum out of your hair. It also explains why oil doesn't mix with water and, interestingly enough, why you can't get gum stuck in your hair if it's already wet. So, if you're unlucky enough to get gum stuck in your dry hair, the only way to dissolve it is with another hydrophobic material like mayonnaise, salad dressing, or, yes, peanut butter. The fats and oils in peanut butter are extremely hydrophobic. When you rub peanut butter into a wad of gum, the molecules that make up the gum base will stick to those fat molecules rather than your hair. Eventually, you'll be able to smoothly remove the gum in big old chunks. Just remember to wash your hair afterward.
0: Have you ever gotten gum stuck in your hair?
1: When I was little, yeah. My parents just cut it out. (laughs) I don't think (laughs) I've never
0: used the peanut butter trick. (laughs) There's another way to do it. Yep. (laughs) A lot of people are passionate about slowing down climate change, and for a lot of different reasons. Today we want to zero in on one reason that you may not think about a whole lot, depending on your circumstances and where you live in the world. And like we mentioned last week, it happens to be a big reason why both today's guest and one Ashley Hamer care so much about it. Katherine Hayhoe is a professor of political science and director of the Climate Science Center at Texas Tech University. Last year, she was named a United Nations Champion of the Earth, and her research has impacted climate policy at a federal and local level around the world. With that kind of resume, we had to ask her where her passion came from. What is it that got her so interested in her field of study?
2: Well, I was actually planning to be an astrophysicist, and (laughs) I had almost finished my undergraduate degree. I'd already started to do research. I was already uh, looking at which graduate schools to go to, and I still needed another course to finish my degree. So I looked over in the geography department, and there was a brand new class on climate science, and I thought to myself, well, that looks really interesting. You know, why not take it? So I took this class, and I was completely shocked. Because up until that point, I had viewed climate change as an environmental issue, along with deforestation, biodiversity loss, air pollution, an issue that environmentalists care about and environmentalists are working to fix and the rest of us who are not environmentalists wish them well. That's the way I thought. And then I took this class and I realized that climate change is an everything issue. They hadn't come up yet with the phrase threat multiplier, but it was very clear from what I was learning that this is what climate change was. It doesn't just affect air pollution and biodiversity loss and deforestation. It absolutely does affect those things, but it also affects the quality of the air that we breathe, the water we drink, the food we eat, again, our health, the economy, our security, but most of all, and this is what really got me, most of all, it disproportionately affects the poorest and most vulnerable people in the world who have done the least to contribute to the problem. The 10% richest people in the world produce 50% of emissions. There's 85 countries that have produced basic Basically nothing in terms of carbon emissions, and they are the ones who bear the brunt of the economic and the health impacts from climate change. So to me, that profound injustice was what really got me. When I was nine years old, I'm, I'm Canadian, um, but when I was nine years old, my parents packed up our family and we moved down to Columbia in South America. So growing up as a child and as a teenager in a poor country where I had some friends who were you know just as well off as us here, you know, vacations in Miami and PlayStations, and then I had some friends who lived in homes that were made of cardboard boxes and mud bricks, and growing up in that environment, recognizing how people are so vulnerable to naturally occurring disasters, and then when I found out that climate change was making it worse and it was affecting them more than anyone else, I mean that was what really hit me. I just couldn't uh, couldn't imagine the the injustice of that and the fact that we would be so unaware of this and. Being a Christian myself and really believing that we are to love others and care for other people, I felt like, how can I not spend all the time and effort and skills that I have in trying to help with this huge global problem? Because, and this is what I thought, I thought, it's so urgent that surely we'll fix it soon and then I can go back to astrophysics. And that was over 20 years ago.
0: (laughs) So the dream is for us all to pitch in so that you can get back to astrophysics.
2: Yes, please. (laughs) I think that my story kind of touches on the biggest and most important thing when it comes to climate change, and that is to care about climate change, we don't have to be a different person. The person we already are is exactly the perfect person to care. We just haven't connected the dots between who we are and what we care about and why climate change affects it.
1: By the way, that phrase Catherine used, threat multiplier, that was actually coined by the U.S. military. She told us that the military is concerned about conflict over resource scarcity and shortages, which are caused by climate change. For example, climate change leads us to lose an average of $5 billion a year on crops. And there's the fact that rising sea levels could displace millions of people over the next century, and they're going to need a place to go. Like we said, climate change isn't just an environmental issue. But like she told us last week, it's not too late. If we stay positive and do what we can to help then maybe we can save our planet. You can find links to more great ideas from Catherine Hayhoe, including her TED Talk, in today's show notes.
0: We've all had disagreements with friends about whether something happened. You know, like, you didn't tell that joke, I told that joke. But they're pretty rare and mostly friendly. But when a person tries to gain control over someone else by making them repeatedly question their sanity, that's called gaslighting. It's a type of manipulation that's hard to overcome, but there are a few ways to protect yourself from it. And the term actually comes from a popular film from 1944 called Gaslight. In that film, a beautiful socialite, Paula, marries a charming musician, Gregory, and they move into her deceased aunt's mansion. Paula starts seeing lights flicker and objects go missing, and Gregory convinces her she's imagining things. In the end, spoiler alert, you find out that Gregory actually murdered the aunt, and he's manipulating Paula to steal her deceased aunt's jewels. Like the villain of the film, gaslighters will create so much doubt in their victims' minds that they have no choice but to trust the gaslighter. These manipulators will often lie with such conviction that the victim questions their own perspective, or they'll turn accusations around in order to put the other person on the defensive. It's like a cheater accusing their partner of cheating, or a parent telling a child an act of abuse never happened. It often rears its head in family and romantic relationships, but it can be just as destructive among friends and coworkers. And even the sharpest minds can fall prey to gaslighting. It often starts out as minor, barely noticeable events. You don't even realize it's happening. Without signs of obvious abuse, victims often end up second-guessing and blaming themselves. So how can you avoid it? Well, the first step is knowing about what gaslighting is. And now you do. So there's step one. But it's also important to maintain connections with people you trust. One tactic many gaslighters use to maintain control is separating their victim from their support network, often by causing conflict and spreading lies. But people on the outside are your best mode of defense. Take it from the movie. In the end, Paula figured out what Gregory was up to because a witness came forward to assure her that she wasn't imagining things. Make sure you have a witness, too.
1: Let's do a quick recap of what we learned today.
0: Well, peanut butter gets gum out of hair because both gum and peanut butter are hydrophobic or nonpolar. And as any chemist will tell you, like dissolves like.
1: I've always known that peanut butter gets gum out of hair, but this also explained to me why eating nuts and chewing gum at the same time makes the gum dissolve.
0: Have you ever noticed that? Well, I've never eaten those things at the same time, but...
1: (laughs) I mean, when I was a kid, I did that a lot. And uh,
0: Was that tasty?
1: No, it's not. But you're a kid and you're like trying to... If there are a bunch of treats there, you're going to eat them all at
0: once. Was it like on a dare?
1: No, it's like, you know, maybe you have uh, peanut M&M's and you have like a blow pop and you have, you know, all these different kinds of candy. Maybe you're chewing your gum and then you just try to eat some candy along with it. Mm. And if the candy has fats in it, it will dissolve the gum.
0: Wow. Terrifying. (laughs) But we also learned that climate change is not just an environmental issue. It's an everything issue. It affects our quality of life, our security, our economy, and it disproportionately affects people who barely even contribute to it.
1: Yeah, like you alluded to, like this is the big thing that makes me passionate about climate change because I don't want to contribute to something that is going to disproportionately affect someone else in the world. Like that feels awful. I want to do what I can to help because even if I'm okay, someone else isn't going
0: to be okay. Yeah. So let's all do what we can.
1: And we learned that gaslighting is the phenomenon of someone manipulating someone else into not believing their own experience and questioning their sanity. If you feel like somebody may be gaslighting you, check in with your friends and family. Getting an outside perspective could help you save your sanity. And if you can't really think of anybody that you can go to, you can always call an anonymous hotline to talk about it. The National Domestic Violence Hotline is available at 1-800-799-7233.
0: Yeah, and I know we used really strong language like question your sanity, but it doesn't always feel like you have no grounding in reality or anything like that like I had an ex-girlfriend that gaslit me really severely. It was very bad. Uh, and I was questioning many things and it, it was not clear to me for several months what was really going on. Um, and then one day I literally Googled like signs that someone is emotionally abusive. And, uh, there was a list of like 20 things and literally every single one applied to what was happening. So I was like, this is not healthy. I'm going to not do this anymore. And, uh, Yeah. And then after that, the number one thing that kind of helped me get back on my feet was my support network of my friends. So, you know, you don't have to feel like you've gone totally off the rails in order to have this happen to you. Sometimes it's it's more subtle than that.
1: And I do also want to say that it's also normal to lose your support network because that manipulation is real and abusers really can cause a lot of conflict and make you lose your friends. And hopefully they'll be there when you come out of it. That's the hope.
0: Today's stories were written by Ashley Hamer and Andrea Michelson and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Script
1: writing was by Cody Goff and Sonia Hodgin. Curiosity Daily is produced and edited by Cody
0: Goff. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes.
1: And until then, stay curious.